0: All right, Inappropriate Earl is back. We've had some, uh, a lot of episodes lately. The great Nita Strauss from Alice Cooper, uh, Chris Franjola from Chelsea Lately, and his many, many TV appearances, and we just keep the train rolling on Thursday, Throwback Thursday, Last Thursday with Nita, I had the NFL draft on in the background, so I was a little preoccupied with what the Steelers were going to do. Today I have the TV off because I don't want the guest to think I'm being rude and not interested in what they're saying. And I'm definitely interested in what this next guest is saying. Now you're thinking, oh my God, if you're watching on Facebook Live right now, you're looking, oh my God, Earl finally got Sting on his podcast. That's a Steve Borden, not... the bass player sting the real sting yeah the real sting the guy who copyrighted the name it's not Sting. that is a bucket list guess that's probably never (laughs) going to happen especially if he listens to one episode of this close as you're going to get please welcome a dude i have known for literally 15 years maybe about 15 years about maybe longer the great eddie pence hey how's it going i'm good i'm I'm no nina Strauss. uh well who is i mean believe me uh but you are someone who i love having on the podcast because you can know someone in the world of stand-up comedy and not know them yeah like you only see each other for
1: brief moments
0: at shows and then you go away yeah, you, you, you're you in your own world. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... I have I think I've seen you once outside of a comedy show, and that was at Runyon Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I see most other comics. With your wife? Outside of shows, yeah. Is still married? Oh, yeah. Still well, I hate that. You know, in L.A. You never know. People get... You never know. I mean, I've probably had four girlfriends since I've known you. Yeah, probably. I won't name them. No need to name them. Well, you know, if you listen to the podcast, you know who they are. <laughs> Some of them might try and forget who they are. We go all the way back to, what is it, uh, Ireland's, right?
1: Ireland's 32, 32?
0: which I drove by the other night and literally started to well up. There were some you, good times there. Because you'd think so many memories and it's just good and bad. Yeah. But that's where we... A lot of uh, bad performance memories, but a lot of good hangout memories. Like, Oh, yeah. It was like, and I almost missed those days. I do because you
1: always had that one spot you could go to that was away from everything, you know. It was, and it was just like it was like a meetup. Play. It was it was just fun. I don't, I don't I don't. There's no place like that anymore.
0: Well, I think uh, at least with our group, uh, there's probably a core of like I would say back then, uh, thirty of us who were like semi serious about stand up, yeah. you know. And even in those thirty, it was varying degrees. Some of us wanted to be road comics. Some us wanted to be like on television yeah. others i think really used it as a social yeah some people just went for the party yeah and they of. and they were funny yeah like uh chris ramirez yeah that's a dude is one of the best writers i i've known
1: what i haven't seen him in forever
0: i don't i just think he i mean i can't speak for him but like someone like him is like wow this guy's really funny he should keep going and uh you know just has a regular job and i think lost the uh, the desire to grind yeah it's Which, a and that's what it is like i mean like i'm still friends with you
1: from that from Shantz, Sh- uh mark fry conkler there's like so many guys from that time it was just so much fun because you could just go there and know you're going to get up on stage in front of other people and you could just try stuff out or whatever you, you were
0: able to do whatever you wanted to do it was and we were all friends. Yeah. So we'd give each other tags and... Uh, and Shane would run it and he'd give us all theme songs. Oh, my God. Shane and no, I, pro- you guys listening are probably like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> and I don't blame you. Yeah. I'm if sorry. you're listening... Sorry. And you understand what we're talking about. Get a life. Uh, (laughs) Because there wasn't that many people there. Yeah. yeah, For some reason, my Facebook live camera (sighs) is not tilting the right way. So I have to hold it up. It's me. No, no. It's a I'm a one man operation. here. (laughs) It's very nice setup here a great setup this but is it's the biggest podcast chair i've ever sat in horrible do you know who sat on that couch i mean i've seen the pictures uh, steven piercey from rat you know, Tony katane Tony. No. Uh, i'm not worthy bobby brown i'm not worthy uh, rowdy roddy piper um oh, piper nita strauss twice i miss piper i do too i i uh such a nice guy you know he was just uh I try and explain it to people. He was like a superhero to us.
1: I remember the first time I met him. I was at the uh, improv and I was hosting. He was doing standup, and I was hosting that night. And I, I, this, I had actually emailed Eric, who used to be the booker there, and I was like, "Piper's doing a show," and this was ten, twelve years ago. I was like, "Please, I have to host that show, please," because I just wanted to meet Piper. I never met him before, and I went in. He was in the he was in the back room by himself, just getting ready for the show. And I just went in. and I just introduced myself, and he was just like. The, he sat down, and started talking me like the nicest guy. It was just, he was so amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he was very respectful of. He was in our world. Yeah. And uh, it was, yeah. you so know, nice. be, it would be like if we were backstage. Yeah,
1: wasn't <laughs> he? Didn't give me the Andre the Giant in the locker room from the Hundred yeah. Giant documentary. Good out.
0: Get out. Get out. Uh, which was I, you know. That docu- did you like the documentary? I did. I The thing that I kind of,
1: it had that big section where it just went on. It sort of focused on Hogan a lot. And I was I was like, just keep it more on Andre. I mean, I know what they're trying to build up for that WrestleMania 3 thing, but it just seemed like at one point it lost focus and went up to Hogan quite a bit right there in the middle. But
0: I mean, I thought it could have been better, uh, but my main beef with it was the WWE had their hands on it so much. Yeah which I you know you have to be in bed with them if you want the footage. Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't do the documentary with yeah, them. Yeah. So it's kind of like and they protect they like hold on to him so so much. But in reality as they bailed on him as soon as his body Oh, As soon as his knees in. gave out, he was we, I remember he went to WCW,
1: right? Right there when WCW started bringing everybody over and like they they WCW immediately put them in put him in their Hall of Fame. I mean, it was a very short-lived Hall of Fame. I don't know if you remember
0: that, but it was like... I He was like the first
1: guy to go in the Hall of Fame, like...
0: Well, I I just... uh, WCW, we we could do three podcasts. (laughs) Eric Bischoff has been on this couch. Oh! I had him right up until I pitched him. For two and a half hours, I was killing with him. Just zingers and... And then you pitched a show. I pitched a show about uh, an all-black Royal Rumble with Hulk Hogan. (laughs) And he literally just looked at me and you could tell he was like, the two and a half hours of joy I had built up wasn't enough. Gone in an instant. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, you know. Because, you know, this guy, like, you know, he said that stuff and about his daughter not wanting Just to take. him in an mm. all black gauntlet match. And, and you know, <laughs> so you'd have, like, and then I went deeper into the pitch. I'm like, you know, like Mark Henry would be the first guy and, <laughs> like, he would whip Hulk Hogan. And then you have, like,. Uh, like Virgil would come out and like yeah. in his, his million dollar man lackey, and he would like put him in a dog collar and. and <laughs> oh, you got, you really win the detail like, with it. Know. Then you have Tony Atlas come out, and you know Rocky Johnson, and then you know the last one is The Rock, SD Jones. Yeah, if he's alive, <laughs> and uh, Bad News Brown, if he's alive, a Kamala could wheel out in a wheelchair, you know. Um. And he just like, yeah, I'm not into that. Uh, And then he, but he was nice enough to come on the podcast. Well, that was great. Like you know, I get told no a lot. Really? Um, you know, I'm sure it's like uh, people are like, who are you? You know, which is not an uncommon question in the business. No, no, I get that Uh, constantly. Well, start a podcast and then ask. I've tried, and I
1: just, it just fails
0: miserably. So. I mean now I just go on other people's podcasts. But that's like uh I love going on other people's podcasts. Oh, it's, yeah. Um I think a lot of podcasters don't like it because they're like, well, I don't want to lose viewers to this podcast. Yeah. But the reality is you get viewers. Yes. Yeah, those come people over. uh, you know, will go, Oh, that guy or girl was pretty I funny. Him. I'll listen to his thing. Yeah. I mean, that's really uh I mean, if you look at the people who go on Rogan's podcast, you know that's a little bit bigger than this one. Uh, <laughs> you know, then they get his fans following their podcast. Yeah. So it's well, Rogan's launched how many
1: careers? Just
0: not mine, but I'm yeah, trying. But, you know? Yeah, but I mean, uh, Ari Shafir, uh, Kreischer, uh, yeah, all those guys, uh, Tom Segura, uh, Hinchcliffe. Yeah, he's launched so many careers. Uh, so I've modeled myself after him, <laughs> and I think you know I. I don't think I've made anyone's career yet. I've probably ruined a few people's. Well, career. if I take off after this, I will credit where credit is due. Well, I've had five people say the n word on this podcast, and uh, were any th- of them th- three th- of them were white? Wow! Uh, and uh, all three of the was white. Tommy one on? <laughs> no, he's, that's the funniest oh, thing really? was Tommy, and he was on for a total of. Tommy was the old talent coordinator of the comedy store, as many of you know. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, let's just say he was known for his interesting takes on certain elements of society. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he was not one. But all three white people who said the N-word, as soon as the podcast was over, were like, hey, you're going to edit that out, right? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, am not. that's I've edited one podcast and that was for the great steady Freddie Corey of Cinderella. You guys know, had some amazing people on this show. I mean, for someone who's not a celebrity to get some of these people on. Yeah. You know, I feel uh, like I'm here just to recap all the great episodes you've seen. Oh, we're gonna get in it. But like it's uh, so what'd you think of the Superman two podcast I did? That was probably my favorite episode. Who was on that one? The bad guy, not General Zod. But the huge guy, Oh, what's his... F- um, Jack O'Halloran. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, who was such an interesting dude because... Uh, I, and I didn't really... You know, I, I like to get weird guests on this show. Well, that's a great pull. And frankly, I was like, I also like to get people who I think will do it. <laughs> like, I would love to get General Zod. But, you know, he's a pretty accomplished he's actor. He's m- done more than... He's probably going to be like, what's a podcast? Yeah. Uh, And why do I need to do it? What do I need to do? Some unknown comics podcast. Uh, So I thought, you know what? The guy who didn't have any lines in that movie. Well, he did.
2: "Mm,
0: mm." (laughs) Uh, He probably would do it. (laughs) Because he gets to talk. So I looked up his name. And he was on Twitter. And I was like, Jesus, this guy has a Twitter account. And uh, he came on. And he was an ex- heavyweight boxer really like he fought george foreman and was scheduled to fight ali uh so it's like like was a wild you know so i try to get weird does he do anything after superman too he did a few movies uh but you know it, it kind of you know you know yeah i know it's a wacky business yeah which is why i wanted you on because you've been on tv <laughs> a couple times as a stand-up comic yeah and I think people have this false illusion of, like I see it with some people who do Roast Battle or who want to get on the next season. Yeah. They think they're going to be on TV once and the it's next gonna, day. It's just going to click. Holiday. Uh, holiday. <laughs> You're going to be on holiday because Hollywood ain't going to be no, calling. Hollywood does day. not call. But, you know, what's it like? Because what um, late night shows have you been on? Uh, I did a Late
1: Late Show with uh, Craig Ferguson back in the day. I, was like, I guess that's like 10 years ago now. I did a uh, live at Gotham on Comedy Central. And then I did a uh, Goth- Gotham Comedy Live on, I guess, Axis, Axis. TV. Yeah, a couple years ago. And Comics Unleashed, which has never aired. That might be a benefit. Yeah. Well, it's weird because apparently he just shoots a bunch and then stores them. And then when the networks call that, because they've been syndication, like, well, we can't keep airing these same Comics Unleashed, then he goes into the vault and edits a few more and sends them out. So he like stockpiles
0: all this. And we're talking, of course, about the legendary Byron Allen. Byron Allen, Allen, the mogul. Who I think just bought the Weather Channel. He bought the Weather Channel. And automatically it got unfunnier. (laughs) So yeah, he's uh, taken over the world, basically. Let's go to your Ferguson set, because I've never been on TV as a stand-up. What's the process?
1: It took me a year to get on. I submitted a set, a, a videotape, a tape set, back, back then it was videotape. and uh, Jesus, that that's back that's in the old. day. Well, actually, it might have been a DVD. It wasn't a link. It was a DVD. And uh, the book, i like, I like this a lot. You have anything else? And it always starts off with like, and then, so you just keep submitting. It took like a year process of like, it got really kind of hairy too, because they start trying to change your material. They start writing jokes for you and sending it back to you. And like, what about this? I'm like, well, that's not really my joke.
0: So you like have, say, like an OJ joke and they're like, well, how about if we do a joke about this instead? Yeah. And who's
1: giving you the, and not, not the it's actual- usually the talent booker, the, whoever books the comic. Um, at least this was the case for CBS at the time. And uh, it took a year to hammer it out. And then finally they okayed it after like two or three phone conferences with me and my old manager and. The booker and then going back and forth and me saying, I don't even want to do this show. (laughs) Like I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want I don't want to You're telling your manager. Yeah, I'm like, I I can't do these jokes. These aren't my jokes. This isn't my material, so I'm not gonna do this. And then finally they got it through and like everything I wrote was cleared after four or five, you know, revisions of my set, and then you get it okay, and it's gotta be four and a half minutes and you can't do anything. At least on CBS you couldn't do anything where you motioned to your crotch area. There could be no you know, like I had one bit where I sort of like did something where I covered up my crotch that was part of the physical bit of the joke and I couldn't do that part so I just had to leave that part out
0: which like, probably took a little bit away from the joke it does
1: you, you, you have to make these concessions especially on network television where it's like you, you're doing the club and you're like that's no big deal just to cover your crotch and you get a big laugh from it or whatever the, the punchline of the joke was but like on TV you can't do that so you just can't so it feels like you're going up and you're doing half of your joke and then because it's a TV audience, you're getting a big reaction from doing a joke that you don't feel like really deserved it. So it, it almost throws you right. a little bit because you're like, why are you laughing? You shouldn't be laughing at this. This isn't as funny as it should be. It's a weird, it's a weird, it's a, you're doing it for cameras. It's the weirdest set you'll ever do.
0: And like, so you get there the day of the shoot and, uh, cause I saw Ian Bag once. I think it might've been Ferguson. It might've been Ferguson. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it was insane. Like they go up to him in the uh, dressing room and, and they give him like cue cards. Okay. This is the order. And he's like, looking, well, that's not the, I mean, I could see in his eyes, he's like, well, that's not the order I was going to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They sw- They'll, they'll switch stuff around on you. And like, you're in the dressing room for like two and a half, three hours before the show starts. And for me, it was weird. Cause Ferguson did it differently. He didn't tape. He would tape all the comics for that month at one on at one time so he would actually leave, he would tape his show and then leave and then the comics would come on there would be like two or three comics and they would just tape two or three comics in front of that audience and then he would do the intros later so I would, when I did my set Ferguson wasn't even in the room oh cool so he actually walked by me on the way out as I was getting ready to go on stage he's like hey they're fun have fun and then I was like alright <laughs> wait where are you going? where are you going? he's like oh he was going to Vegas or something to do a show it was it was weird because it, when if you watch the show it looks like he's sitting at the desk watching me but he's not there.
0: Well, I mean, I know they did that uh, I don't want to mention the comic's name, but uh, he did last comic standing and you know, they show him uh you know, doing this not set, but you know, it was one minute and then they cut to the judges and he told me when he was doing that set that there was no one in the room.
1: Are you serious?
0: <laughs> yeah, like it was kind of a not a fake uh, it was kind of like a fake. And then they cut to the judges who critiqued right. him but he yeah. wasn't. And then when they were critiquing, he wasn't he wasn't in the room. Like so it was like, "Oh, it's so weird." Uh, now when you're doing the actual set, like are you sitting or standing behind the curtain and there's a guy Yeah, you're standing right there
1: behind the curtain. it was weird cuz they asked me if I wanted <laughs> if I wanted a lavalier mic or if I wanted to walk out with a handheld mic or if I wanted the mic on a stand when I got out there and then I would just take it off myself. Like, it's like these little details you don't even think about. I'm like, I'll just leave it on the mic stand because that's just what I'm used to. So I'm trying to make it as right. comfortable for myself as possible. So I just like leave it on the mic stand. And I just basically took the mic stand and set it to the side anyway. Not like I used it, but.
0: And then are you, is your set on cue cards like like Ian's for were? Ferguson's wasn't on cue cards.
1: It was like they had the, the list of the top. They had one cue card with like
0: the bullet points of the set. Almost like you do a set list. Right. And uh, I would do it like that. And what's the countdown like when it's time to wrap it up? Is there like is there a guy going like this?
1: No, you have to be responsible for that four and a half. Like you, they have to, you have to have it timed out. Like there was no guy with like like a red light or anything to let me know. Is like because you hammer that set out so much, and you're almost doing, you're not really riffing or anything. You're kind of, especially as a comic doing your first late night set. You're kind of like I'm just going to do my bit. You're hardly even. Away. How nervous are you? I wasn't so nervous. I was just got out there. And I just wanted to do it. Like I wish I'd been a little more present in it because it, w- it was my first TV set, late night set. And I was like, I wish I'd enjoyed the moment a little bit more. But I just wanted to go out there and do it because it's so mechanical. Anyway, you say your joke the audience laughs. You say your joke, the audience laughs. Like they're trained to do that. And there's a guy in the back of the room who starts
0: applause breaks. I love it. I would need that guy.
1: Like you do a joke and then all of a sudden you hear one guy just start clapping. And then everybody else is like looking around they all start clapping. You're like, why am I getting a? have never gotten an applause break on that line ever. But, but there's a guy in the back who starts the applause breaks. Well,
0: I'd like to find that guy. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, and then like, so afterwards, what happens the next day? Nothing. Well, because
1: Ferguson was taped, so mine didn't air. It's not like a Conan set where I think you tape it that day and airs that night or that week. It's like mine aired like three weeks later on Ferguson. And I got a couple texts, mostly from other comics, going, hey, great
0: job. That was... But like, does your manager say, hey, we got a meeting? They saw you?
1: No, nothing. They sent it out to a couple casting directors or whatever, and you might
0: get one audition, but... Nothing. Nothing happens. So you roast battle comics. Nothing happens. That's a stand-up set on TV. So you can imagine what one of your unforgettable battles (laughs) will get you. Sorry, I got too real there. I I came in hot, but
1: people come in thinking like that, and it's like it's not like it used to be where you did a tonight a Carson set and you were made. There's just so much out there, and there's. I mean Conan has a comic on every week and there's five late night late night shows and Comedy Central and Showtime and HBO do stand there's stand up everywhere. So it's like doing stand up doesn't on the late night set doesn't mean anything anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean I would almost rather go on Rogan. Yeah, which is you have a um, bigger audience. It's a bigger audience. It's repeated, you know, on YouTube and
1: it's it's yeah. Uh, you
0: get way more reach
1: on like a Rogan podcast, and you you get more time. You get what? How long are you on there for?
0: Three or four hours, if, <laughs> like, like if you're rolling with them. Yeah. Um, so it's just, I
1: mean, late night. You get four and a half minutes at the end of the show, which is at like 1.30 at night. I mean, no one's watching that,
0: and it's like for the most part, it's they don't repeat too many i mean you might get like on camera they ran mine twice i got two i got the initial
1: running and then like two months later they ran it again i got another check for half the amount and
0: you can't use that set ever again on tv or one you burned it you burned it so you do one is that the unwritten rules well usually what happened was because i did
1: one joke that i'd done on comedy central like like a year prior on my live at gotham set And I was like, I did this on comedy. He's like, it's fine. As long as you didn't do it on network. Okay. So if if you burn something on cable, (laughs) I guess you
0: can do it again on network. Well, uh, I'll put that in the scrapbook.
1: Yeah. And then Comedy Central is also sort of like, like I, you know, every year I submit to get the half hour special or whatever, which I'm never going to get because I'm 20 years older than the demographic, but. After well, I'm God, five
0: years I'm, older than you. I know we're done. I'm Com- fucked. We're done at Comedy Central. I'll see you at roast battle season three. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just the reality of this stupid business, and uh, but they're like, Comedy Central. You can do any joke you haven't done on Comedy Central before. Like if you've done them on if you've done them on other shows, you can still do it on Comedy. Central. They just don't want you to repeat the same jokes on Comedy right, Central. Right. So
0: if you did a premium blend, yeah, they don't want which you to repeat. Is, shows you how long ago yeah. I go back. I wanted to get on premium blend. You know, I auditioned once and, uh, uh, you know, that was like my first, uh, look into the, it's not necessarily about the best comics get on TV. I'm not saying I was the best comic who auditioned, but like based on that set at the improv, like, like everyone came up to me afterwards, like, dude, you got this. And, uh, I, I would actually have people ask me, how was the taping? And I'm like, I didn't get it. Oh, my God. And then you would see people who got it. No offense to them, you know.
1: But it's because they had the right manager yeah. or whatever. I mean, the reason I got the Late Late Show is because my manager at the time repped a bigger comic than me. And the that show wanted to have him on. And they were like, and my manager's like, oh, you can have him if you put my other guy on, too.
0: Oh, that's great, though. But that's right? how it works. Yeah, it's not I mean, about...
1: I mean, I'm totally, I know I I didn't get that Lele show because I was the funniest comic that deserved that set. I got it because my manager reps someone who that show wanted to have on and he used the leverage of that to get me on, which is what a good manager should do. But in your case, you deserve it. It's not like... But every like everyone, like there's so many of us that deserve We're all like, you're good, I'm good. Like we've had so many of us, we've seen so good And there's, but it's those people that get in that right situation where they have the right manager or the right producer, whoever likes them and just pulls them through, you know? I mean, I've given up trying to to uh, figure out the business. Yeah, but it's not a talent based business. It's so not like that. Is like it's a requirement. You should be talented and funny, but like that's not the thing that gets you through.
0: I mean, I think uh, I used to think being talented gets you in the door. So did I. But I think it it keeps you in keeps the door. you in the door. Talent keeps you there. Talent doesn't get you through the door. I mean, I see. I mean, we both see things on a nightly basis of how's this person on the lineup oh yeah. well i can't even get in that club i can't get on that lineup
1: and i've got more tv credits and more experience and i've had like i can do more than 10 minutes of comedy but like there's other persons on that but it's not about funny
0: yeah now people probably think oh, they, they seem kind of better <laughs> well we are but i think well see i disagree i i you're like the least bitter person i know and you've been in the game yeah it you can't know. be but it'll kill you but I think we're being honest. Like, yeah. You know, being bitter to me is like, well, Amy Schumer sucks. Oh, why does she suck? Yeah. Well, she just shouldn't make that much money. That's No, like, you,
1: if you can make it, you make
0: it. She works it. Uh, or, you know, a, probably a better example is Michelle Wolf at the Correspondence Dinner yeah. last week. Uh, you know, all these comics shitting on her. Uh, they're just mad they didn't get the gig.
1: Could you imagine any of those other comics that are shitting on her actually doing that gig? I mean, that's I would love most, to do it. Yeah, but it's the most impossible. Like, that is one of the... Hard, that's, like, worse than doing stand-up at a wedding. Like, that is the hardest.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think people... It's literally, like, doing a a convention of the KKK and, on one side of the room <laughs> and the NBA Players uh, Association on the other side of the room. I mean, that's literally what yeah. it's... Like, you got... 50% Democrats, 50% Republicans, the whole room hates each other. Yeah.
1: And it's so polarized left, to, like they're so far left and so far right, there's hardly any moderate in the room. I mean, you know. And the moderates aren't going to laugh for fear of
0: the being surrounded by the extremes. Uh, yeah. And then you know, the people who sat on the dais, you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Like, you know, Bruce Willis for the Comedy Central Rose coming up. He knows. It's going to be constant jokes about his hairline, his, you know, shitty movies, uh, you know, and, and his Demi Moore probably. Yeah. Uh, he's signing up for it. But what do you expect when you hire a comedian to roast people? Yeah. I mean, uh, she said it the best. Like, you guys didn't research me? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Well, it's like when Colbert did it, what, 12 years ago or whatever for
1: Bush. And they actually, I think half the people room thought he wasn't doing a character. I don't think he was. <laughs> so it's like they thought he was getting the Colbert Report guy. I'm like, he's not that guy.
0: Well, I think Norm MacDonald started it off like uh, with the zingers of, you know, like I think uh, he did it when Clinton was in office and, you know, Dick Morris was at like one of the front tables yeah. and, you know, Dick Morris is, uh, you know, it's a good thing he wasn't popular in the Me Too era because he probably would have been fired. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Norm's just zinging him. Hey, yeah. girls, it's Dick Morris. I run now. <laughs> you know, and it's like the whole crowd's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, so, sorry about that buzzing. I, popular? No, I'm not really popular. I text. just, you know, I have Apple products everywhere here, mm-hmm. and I still don't know how to sync them all up. Hollywood's texting. Uh, no, trust me. I can... Whoever was texting me right now it ain't hollywood <laughs> it's probably uh you know i don't know some girl i met on back page saying hey this is a new way to contact me
1: we'll get on the podcast
0: i would i would love to interview a prostitute like you know born stars and prostitutes so interesting well i mean we're 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 whores too oh yeah What's the worst thing you've done to like get a gig in terms of like? Because you're a very sensible dude, uh, but you know at some point you got to sell out to a degree. You know, like I sold out with roast battle from the standpoint of it's not my normal. It's sense not your of thing. Humor. And you got and you yeah. Uh, then it's you did what you did to get a TV spot. Well, at some point I'm like you know I'm in my 40s now. I, I like you know it's like, like you just said it's it's somewhat of a young person's game. Yeah, it's like I you know
1: I was at a. This is what got me. I was at a uh, like a seminar, like not a seminar, but like a, a panel for like industry panel a few weeks ago at at, at Westside or whatever. And uh, they were all talking, like all these industry people are talking about how forty is old in the industry, and you know the industry does skew younger, and they're like, yeah, it's just the way it is. And they're all they're talking. I'm like, you guys are the gatekeepers up there, and you're and you're 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 perpetuating this false narrative that forty is old, and you guys could you guys actually have the power to change it. And you're saying it's not fair, but you you have the power to switch that around. But you choose not. You keep you you continue to keep perpetuating the false narrative that forty is over the hill as far as comedy goes, which but, is not.
0: Well, that's why like the it's, business is failing. Yeah, like you know because
1: well that's why comedy that's why stand up that's why comedy is booking professional wrestlers or porn stars to do stand up comedy because at least those names will sell out seats because the comedy has gotten so watered down and bad that the people don't come to the clubs anymore because they go there and like well this guy's not funny this girl's not funny because they're 24 years old
0: yeah you can you know fool people once <laughs> yeah well i but uh you know it's i find that stand-up now is almost a casting world of okay we need the loud uh yeah african-american dude we need the fat white guy we need the you know, the, the next Amy Schumer. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they'll pick someone who might be funny in a couple of years, but, you know, they You're use them. are overexposing
1: them now and yeah. they're not going to be able to grow.
0: Yeah, and then they're like, oh, we've already seen her. Well, she's 24. Well, sorry. I don't want to see her when
1: she's 35, when she's lived and has the
0: experiences. Yeah, so...
1: Like, uh, I always understood ageism and casting from an acting perspective because you need certain types to fill out certain roles. But to me, comedy, especially growing up, you know, when we were young, coming up and watching... The comedians we looked up to when we were kids—it didn't matter what they looked like or who they. It's how funny they were. Oh yeah, I mean like, that's how you judged a comedian based on the comedy. That you didn't care how Carlin was had gray hair.
0: Oh my God! I mean, some of the funniest people I when I first started, were like a guy like Stephen Pearl, who yeah. like nowadays I I don't know what role he would audition for. Like, yeah. oh, he's in his fifties. You never out. see him. Uh, but. You know, that's why I think podcasts are so popular, because, you know, all right, the industry. You're, you're cutting the industry out of it. Suck it. I mean, Marin's, I read Marin's book, and his, I think he said his first manager said, don't do the podcast, you'll never make money. Yeah, and it gave him the
1: career he always was looking for.
0: And that was a gatekeeper telling him, yeah, I know it. I know, yeah. Yeah, no, you don't. They know. don't know. None of them know. Uh, they think they know. Well, a lot of them are failed comics who never had the balls to stick with it. Uh, A lot of them didn't even have the balls to start it. And they're going to, you know, tell you how to do your act. And then they're keeping us. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, so it's a tough uh, tug of war of like, okay, I got to kind of listen to this person and placate them. Yeah. But they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. But. You know, did you ever have like a sellout moment like where you did a knock-knock a joke or like, Probably, I, I got to
1: give them what they want. Probably doing comedy time. <laughs> a comedy oh time taping is mean, probably the biggest sellout moment I've ever done. Well, I'm right there with you. Because what was that? Was that 50 bucks or 100 bucks? You got to do a comedy time? You know, I really, it's pro- it's too late now. And I, it's all, and they just blasted
0: all over the internet. You with YouTube, it's all over YouTube. I mean, I... You know, I, I don't even want to say what I did because I don't want to get them any extra views. But, you know, fuck it, uh, you know, comedy time. How would you describe comedy time? I don't e- like. I don't even know what he... I mean, they make you do whatever, whatever set you do, and then it's got to be
1: super clean, and then you have to do a street joke at the end.
0: Which is basically a stolen joke. It's a stolen joke. It's, it's a joke you didn't write.
1: And they force you to do this street joke. I don't know why, and then they put it up, and like I don't know why you want to watch a comic do a street
0: joke online. Well, it was just <laughs> I, 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 like my mind is literally going blank with what they had me do. <sighs> it's the, the worst shows. I, I mean, I really don't want. Pe- Please don't go on YouTube. <laughs> i'm begging you i'd rather you leave a review for Uh, inappropriate or all please i'm begging you please don't go on comedy time tv and watch eddie i did it twice and because i needed the money well you know i was like it was 25 bucks oh it was yeah it wasn't even 100 it was like 25 at the ice house yeah and uh
1: horrific uh, and then and the I, crowds I, were terrible, and they didn't, and they never mic the audience at the Ice House, or they used to, they do now, but they before it was only the only audible mic was through the microphone, so you never heard the audience, so it sounds of, like you're
0: just eating it. Yeah, and like uh what, what right. did I? I had a show with them called Hot Girls and Earl. I remember Hot Girls and Earl. <laughs> I remember Hot Girls. And and it really should have been called Hot Earl and Girls, and these girls were. F- fucking animals uh i remember the one asian girl with the big tits like she had a, abnormal tits like just like the 36 g or like and she starts playing with her pussy in the audition and i'm like uh you've already got the part like there's no need like we're using you uh and it got like four million views like you see because now you can make money on like if you have a yeah back then but, you know... You couldn't monetize it. I probably had more uh, YouTube hits than anyone on that network other than Angela Johnson. Yeah, with the nail the bit. The nail salon bit, which I don't know if it was necessarily her bit. I mean, it's kind of a yeah, I mean, similar premise. Yeah. I'm not saying she stole the joke, but it's like I've heard at least 10 comics have a nail salon bit. Like, yeah. they don't speak the language. What are they, Ewoks? <laughs> um <laughs> That's a horrible impression of an Ewok, but like you know, uh, yum yep, 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 yep. So that gets you into the comedy uh, time mind, but please, I'm begging you, do comedy not time. go on Comedy <laughs> and look up Eddie Pence or Earl Skaggle. Please I'm begging you, or hot girls and Earl. Spend the time, We're leaving a review, leaving a review on iTunes. Give Give Earl five stars. You can rip
1: on me all you want,
0: but no, no, I want honest reviews. I leave them all up. Of course, you can't. I take saw the down. one you,
1: you you posted a page, couple like last week or whatever. A snapshot of it's all five stars, and there was one guy with two stars, and it's like because you have a bunch of unknown comics. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's the
0: best oh. review. And I'm like, oh, ever. great, I'm coming on. That's it's perfect. like, yeah, I used to listen to this guy because he had cool guests, like the singer from Rat. But now it's just a bunch of unknown, unknown comics. comics unsubscribed. It's like, what am I? Sp- I you know, I don't look at reviews. Yeah. I really don't. You're doing a free show. Like, why do you got, like, go out of your way to leave that comment? I I mean, I get, like, I, you know, if they don't like it, they don't like it. You know, uh,
1: but just leave it. Just go away. Just don't listen to it anymore. Like, you have to put your name out there.
0: Or if you want to, you out there. If you want to have some fun, look up Eddie Pence on Reddit. Just go Eddie Pence Comedy. And there's, I guarantee you, there's uh, a page about your. Ferguson said, saying, "Wow, this guy sucks." Oh,
1: I, like they had it on YouTube, and I think they put it on
0: Facebook or at one point. I mean, yeah, there's. Well, YouTube comments are sane compared to the Reddit crowd. Yeah, Reddit's nuts. For some, I never really knew what Reddit was, and someone said, "Hey, you should look up your name in roast battle and just see what they say." Oh about you. no, you! Mm. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that sounds cool." Mm. Uh, and I look up, and it's like, "This guy sucks." He seems like the kind of guy who just hangs out at the comedy store and says the N-word, but they spelled out the word <laughs> and and faggot. Uh, and I'm like, wow, they guys got me pegged. And I'm, just kidding, I'm just kidding. He nailed me.
1: Well, with my I told you before the show started, like, my kid had that video that went viral over the weekend, the baseball where he got hit. Now, how do people shit. see this? Uh, I know it's on barstoolsports.com. It's also on my Twitter page. What at, is your Twitter at, page? At Eddie Pence.
0: At Eddie. So that's E-D-D-I-E-P-E. E N C E, like the vice president, right? Eddie Pence. <laughs> I wish you were in there and said, "I'm a dude." Does uh, he sleep in a fucking hyperbaric chamber with a with, necklace of ears with no sunlight? Uh, uh, so go on. That anyway. it's the funniest. I had no idea that was your kid. Yeah, I can't believe you saw it.
1: Well, it was, I think I, it was, I know it went viral, but I didn't know.
0: I think it was on Yahoo. I think it was on the front page of like Yahoo Sports. It might have. Been. It went every. It
1: got like two million views in like twenty four hours. And the, no way to monetize off that. No,
0: not well, that I know of. So describe the video for my the,
1: son, who's eight, is up at bat, getting ready to take a take a swing at the ball, and the pitch comes. And for some reason, the ball's really inside. And instead of ducking in to take it in the shoulder like he normally would, he opens up to it and puts his hand out and yells "No!" as the fastball's coming and nails him right in the chest. <laughs> it didn't hurt him, um, but I post on YouTube uh, or twitter of how not to take a pitch and then uh like barstoolsports.com took it and it, it got like crazy number it went like two million views or something like that and then i made the mistake of going to the comment page oh yeah and i'm like the stuff that people said about an eight-year-old boy trying to play baseball makes oh. you want the world to burn Oh my God! I mean, I have. Uh... It. I mean, take make fun of me all you want because I'm an adult putting myself out there. But a little boy playing baseball, and I just posted a video that I thought was funny and people could enjoy. And like, they're just like, this kid's definitely gay, and like, yeah, I bet like...
0: you he votes Democrat when he grows up. I mean, just <laughs> like. Oh, right, it's so funny that the comments that the the, uh, the judgments people can make on like someone not wanting to get hit by a baseball or. Like, you know, I certainly, the, the comments about my, some of my roast battles were brutal. Like, and they, at some point you go, all right, these are just losers who don't have the yeah. balls to do what I do. Or in, in, you know, in your case, it's, oh, here's someone's kid who's actually trying to like be a good athlete or whatever. Uh, but just to hide behind your keyboard and type just vile shit like that is. Oh, I told, I mean, Reddit was like, uh, you know brutal like you know because at the end of the day you know any performer like we all want other people's approval
1: yeah that's why we do i mean yeah
0: if we didn't want like i want you to think i'm funny and and you know if i didn't i'd just do my jokes in my bedroom yeah if i didn't i wouldn't get up on stage unless i wanted to make people laugh yeah it's the same thing with this podcast i, I wish it had a, a million five-star reviews yeah uh, you know uh but You know, I posted uh, on some heavy metal site uh, last week's episode because Nita Strauss was on it, and I thought, oh, people are going to really dig this. It's she talks about a WrestleMania uh, experience. Our maidens, yeah. I mean. and it was brutal like some of the comments uh, this is the worst interview ever uh this is the only thing related to wrestlemania that i won't listen to uh it's like well how do you know if it's any good or not you're not even gonna listen yeah. to it but you'll take the time to comment how yeah. shitty it is they
1: put, and i guarantee they didn't listen to more than if they even listened to it two minutes of
0: it so i mean i you know but it's like you know I can only imagine whatever you do next on TV. It's going to be like, this guy looks like he takes it in the ass. What? Oh,
1: I was told one time I was fat and I should kill myself from a YouTube video I posted.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the suicide uh, hints uh, or suggestions are really lovely. (laughs)
1: Like, are you trying? Like, I don't understand. Are they trying to just start a fight and engage? Or are they just that miserable of a person? Like, are there that many miserable people out there? they just leave like to to rip on an eight-year-old boy like how fucking miserable are you
0: well i mean i find the best way to engage with uh, those people is to either one don't engage i just yeah they want attention yeah Uh, it's almost like a heckler in the room or you compliment them you know which is in a sense engaging them yeah Uh, But with the guy who said, you know, this is going to be the worst interview ever about WrestleMania, I just wrote back, hey, thanks for the support, man. I really (laughs) appreciate that. And, you know, he didn't say anything else after that. But if I would have said, fuck you, man. Yeah, then it goes, yeah. You do your own podcast, bro. It would have been like 58 replies, you know. It's just hard not to, but you got to like swallow it. It's tough, but, you know, at the end of the day. Because in a heckler in a club, you can shut them up. Well, you know, you're so nice, so you don't get heckled too much, do you? Uh,
1: I do every once in a while.
0: Well, because you're a good-looking dude, so I'm sure the hecklers are like, fuck this guy, he's good-looking. I get every once in a while,
1: but I i mean, like, like I don't, I rarely get angry when I get heckled. I usually, I don't know, I, I'm i able to handle it in a, in a nice way where the crowd stays with me and they right. turn on him, which is what you,
0: ideally what you want. I mean, you see some comics lose their minds sometimes. Oh My friend Brian Holtzman, uh, like, you, you don't want to heckle him. Does he lose it? He just goes all in, 100%, 500 miles an hour on you. <laughs> and he just shock and awe you. With, <laughs> well, that's one way to go about it. I,
1: guess. I mean, how does the audience respond to that? Well, sometimes the audience is probably into it. It depends on how annoying the heckler is.
0: Well, but it's tough because, like, sometimes, like, I was watching him in the original room, uh, and it was packed, And uh, a lady who was kind of sitting by me in the back, uh, you know, for whatever reason, didn't like him and said, next. Like, next comic. Right, right, right. And I I don't know why, but it seemed like only me and Brian heard her. (sighs) And just Brian just unloaded on her. Uh, You're next, bitch, you fat, ugly cow. And just just for five minutes spent... And the audience probably had no idea what was going on. And the audience was like oh wow this is like kind of like they yeah, didn't the hear it.
1: probably didn't even know what next meant
0: right but you know but to two me, comics know what yeah. next means but you know the at the end of the day he got the crowd on his side because he's so he's so amazing to watch yeah um but like i think that's the key to heckling is make the crowd aware that there is one yeah you have to
1: if like you kind of you can ignore it to a point until the until you make sure the crowd knows what's going on, and then you dive into it. Like if it's just one guy sort of chatting over there, but there's two hundred other people in the room not hearing it, you can't. You don't want to call it out until it's obvious, because the the crowd doesn't know what's happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to ultimately try and turn the crowd against the heckler. Yeah, um, now Which is, if
1: they're really annoying and loud and drunk, it's very easy to do.
0: Well, it's you know it depends also on what uh, time uh, the night you're going on. Like if it's earlier, the crowd's not boozed up yet, so they're a little more aware. Yeah, uh, but if it's late, it's late night show, it can be tough. Like you can throw thirty minutes of your act out the window because you're just going
1: to be dealing with people.
0: Yeah, late night at the comedy store. You know they've seen it all, and or if you're
1: doing a showroom at like a casino in like Vegas or Reno or something, yeah, most people like, are coming in
0: hammered at seven p.m yeah the, like the dirty at twelve thirty. Yeah. Have you ever done that? No,
1: I've never done that one.
0: I have not, but you know just the fact that it's called the dirty, dirty 1230 at twelve thirty and it's in Vegas, yeah, twelve thirty on a Friday night in Vegas, you got to figure out I mean, they've, the, they've been drinking since two, yeah, half the crowd's probably lost money, yeah, they're pissed, so you go you can't go up there and do material, so you're like you know the monkey at the circus yeah. bouncing the ball off the nose
1: <laughs> exactly so, what all right,
0: we're gonna make this guy work, yeah. Uh,
1: and they can, those can be fun shows, but you can't oh, yeah. go in going, I'm going to get a good tape out of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a guy like Holtzman is the perfect comic yeah. for that because he's just going to. It's like a Tripoli crowd. Yeah, Tripolis would be great at that crowd. Uh, so I think guys like you and me who are a little more. Uh, uh, what's the right word? Um <laughs> Cerebral, No. yeah, cerebral was the exact word. I was like yeah. surreal. Uh, that's uh, I know it's close to that. Surreal assassin. Um, you know, might, we might.
1: I mean, I'll do it if I have to. It's not my first option when I go up is not to do that. But what got you into comedy? It's something I always wanted to do. I don't know why. I like what, since I was a little kid. I think that first special I saw. I saw the, f- the first comedy special I saw was HBO. I think I saw Robin Williams live at the Met. That was like 1985. And then like, once I saw that, I was like I, like, I didn't, I don't at all model myself after Robin Williams, but I'm just like being on stage and having a whole room of people laugh at you is like, I want to do that. Like, that's what I want right. to do. And then I started watching stand up as much as like, like the old Rodney Dangerfield specials on HBO. Oh my God. And, like you saw Kennison for the first time and Seinfeld for the first time and Dice, Dice, Roseanne, Roseanne for the first time. And it's funny why well, I, I still have those on VHS tape. When I go back to my parents, I'll watch them and uh, you see some of the comics that like you see like half the comics that just went and became icons and like the other half that you never
0: heard from again. Yeah, I mean like uh I think Bob Nelson was on one. Bob of those. Nelson was one,
1: but he had his own HBO special. Yeah, Bob Nelson he had to put the balloons in his shoulder pads and became a football player.
0: Uh but that's like I mean you could say I guess you could say that about any part of the business like bands.
1: Yeah, but I mean Bob Nelson he had like he had like an HBO special after that in like the early 90s and he did a couple movies but like there's some guys on those Ronnie Danger film specials that like that was the only time you ever saw them like they were that was
0: it. Yeah it's just weird how some popped some didn't. But like you it was just it was crazy. I
1: mean like and I was watching those like, that's what I wanted to do and I just I moved out here after I got out of college and I'm like I wish I had started somewhere else other than Hollywood. It would have been interesting to start in like a Chicago or Boston or Seattle or even New York.
0: Yeah, I mean, LA's probably the worst place in the world to, it, it to sets, start. It, it takes like another, I think it takes you two extra years
1: to catch up to speed to comics that start other places.
0: Yeah, because you're, you know, everyone for the most part moves out here after they're uh, polished yeah. and established.
1: So you're, and you're competing, trying to, and you can't get decent spots with decent crowds. The best thing you do is a bringer show. Which are horri- Now, where Which did you horrific. move from? Virginia.
0: Like a uh, DC. Because there's not a lot of comedy opportunities there at is there? the
1: time. The, now there's a great like comedy community in like Northern Virginia and DC area. But like when I when I was there 25 years ago, there was nothing. There was the improv, and that was it. Then you probably couldn't get that book there because like, I didn't even know how to start.
0: I had no idea. So, so I moved, you thought, Fuck it, I'm going to move to I'm to LA
1: because that's where you go to become a comedian, right? I don't know.
0: And what was like the first, like your first week? You moved out here. I mean, you must have been like, "Wow, what do I do?" I didn't next?
1: know. I was going on the internet, and I was like, as com- stand-up comedy," and uh, Greg Dean's comedy class popped up. Um, well, there you go. So, and then I, so I signed up, and I did uh, Greg Dean's comedy class, and I got my first, my first set ever was in the belly room of the comedy store at the graduation. At the graduation, and I have, I still have the tape. My first five minutes ever on stage, I still have. And where can people? That's not. Published anywhere? It's in my closet on a VHS tape. Well, I I'm, might bring it out. I would like to. I should bring it out. It's it's,
0: a, it's toilet paper jokes.
1: I think I did four minutes on toilet paper.
0: And what advice did the great Greg Dean give you? Um, nothing. I listened to. I've always been fascinated by comedy teachers because. Well, Greg,
1: I always say Greg Dean out of all of them, he does teach you the fundamentals of joke writing. But how does he know them? I, I don't know. But it is. It does do the setup and then the the assumed end and then you get the laugh by by misdirection by like you you do your setup and okay everyone's thinking you're going to go this way with it and then you go this way with it which is like the basic of magic <laughs> i think and comedy it's so i don't know where he gets it from but like that's what you learn but i'm not a setup punch comic anyway so it's not really my thing but i i got on stage and that it got me on that's the only reason that's really the reason i did it because i knew you got on stage you would do the whatever weeks it was and then you got on stage. And that's I just wanted something to put me on stage cuz I didn't know how to go on stage. And I did it and I got on stage and then I was like all right then I then I through there you meet other comics you do open mics and the coffee houses and then
0: it just goes that way. Well, I mean I've just I'm fascinated by comedy teachers. I
1: am too cuz I don't know how you go all right I know this enough to teach people.
0: Right. Like I think of myself as a pretty um uh respected or whatever comic uh no, we've
1: been around a while people kind of like oh, you've been around what what do you think i, mean, I wouldn't dream of you. teaching i'll give you uh i'll say some advice i'll give some advice every once in a while like oh if this happens i don't know maybe try this but i would never think i could charge someone x amount of dollars for a certain amount of weeks and you guys show up and i'll teach you how to be a comedian i don't i don't know how anyone does that
0: well i mean if i want to learn how to hit a baseball I'll, uh I'll pay Rod Carew or Yeah, because it's Tony Gwen. It's everyone you, you everyone
1: hits the baseball the same way.
0: I'm not going to uh pay uh some guy who's my neighbor how to teach me how yeah. to hit a baseball who, who
1: played D one right. baseball for half a season.
0: So uh you know, the moral of this segment of Inappropriate Earl with fast Eddie Pence is don't pay anyone to teach you how no. to do comedy.
1: The only way to learn is to get up and eat it.
0: Yeah, thousands of times. Thousands of times. I mean, how many sets would you say you've done in your lifetime? I would probably.
1: My God, I've been doing it twenty one, twenty years. Two hundred a year, three hundred a year.
0: Yeah, I mean that's times five thousand sets. Five, yeah, five six thousand sets, and we're still trying to
1: make. it. And I just ate it two weeks ago. Where? Where? Oh, Where did oh, I eat it? I ate it. Uh, where would I eat it? Oh my God. I can't, where was it? Was it somewhere in Santa Monica? I think I ate it. No, it was, a, it was a West Side. I ate it at West Side. Really? Yeah.
0: And what, like, when you see, like, I hear some comics say they ate it and their version of eating it is doing well for others. Like, maybe that's what I, I mean, I don't have what they call
1: laugh ears. So I don't, like, every set I get down, I pick out the negatives of that set. That's just, but I
0: don't. Mm. You just didn't, it wasn't to your satisfaction? No,
1: where I, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It just, because there's certain jokes you think are going to hit and they don't hit the way they you expect them to hit or have hit before. And they don't, and the crowd doesn't react the way you want them to. And so you're like, why didn't they, why didn't that work?
0: And how often, how long does that eat you up for? Like the next day or? It's like 24 hours. Right. Yeah. Or until you get up again. Absolutely.
1: Like if I go up again right after that, then I'll get over it. But if I don't have another set for a day or two, it'll eat at me until I get
0: back up. And then, do you still do those jokes that, in your mind, didn't do well? Yeah, because you want to like, why didn't this do? Well? I want to figure out. I want to do this one again to see
1: if it is it the joke is it the way I delivered it is it does it need a different twist that the doesn't need some another punchline? What is it? Was it was it literally the crowd's fault?
0: I mean, sounds like it might be time to go back to Greg Dean. It might. Pay I could use a refresher course. Five hundred dollars. It's probably gone up to five hundred dollars now. Oh, who knows? I who think knows? I paid two hundred at the time. Well, those were 1998 prices. Yeah, I think 2018 is, you know, <laughs> lot's changed. <laughs> but, you know. But I could
1: still that would get me back up at the comedy. Well, he doesn't do the comedy story, I think he does the improv.
0: I think the comedy store got wise to him. And the improv's doing it now. But I don't get the improv anymore, so maybe it'd get me back in the improv. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just got pulled off on the improv show. Uh, oh, really? You know, they were basically like, we need a bigger name. Okay. And I get it. I know. You know? I, can't,
1: I can't get in there anymore. I used to be in there all the time.
0: Oh, well, I mean, I, you know, uh, I love Paige, uh, yeah. you know, but it's so like. It's e- not, it's corporate. Yeah, it's such a crazy even that you could be in somewhere that where you're loved. And uh, like I Jamie Flam, the, uh, yeah. who has a fantastic new. The, uh, the Dynasty Typewriter. Yeah, the Dynasty Typewriter Theater. Adam Sandler just did a string of shows there. Yeah. Uh, you know, when he was the booker at the Improv, he was just like, dude, I love you, man. You're great. But, but he get- only had like two or three spots a week yeah. he could book. He literally told me, I get eight spots a week yeah. that I can uh, book. Yeah, You know, and there's just people ahead of you. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's cool.
1: I know, they're they're hamstrung, I know. And then like the comedy store is just like beast after beast <laughs> after beast. It's like, how do oh, you yeah. break
0: that lineup? I mean, he, you know, I was on it last night uh you know 12 30 or something and it's like i literally felt like a chinese guy going on uh in a gangbang full of black porn stars uh i mean dude the lineup i even i like i'm not cocky but like i'm like okay i'm a pretty funny dude or whatever and i'm like i don't even know if i should be on this lineup tonight like it's jeff ross it's like jazelnik uh you know uh, diaz rogan uh yeah, it's just-
1: it's like, like headliner after headliner after headliner. And like and big me. headliners.
0: Like <laughs> sell out the weekend headliners. Yeah, it's like comics are so big on most of these comedy store lineups. They don't even play comedy clubs. Yeah, it, they do theaters. theaters. Like it's an insult to say to Joey Diaz, you playing the... Uh, yeah, your club comic? The Chuckle they? Hut? Uh, yeah. this No, I'm playing the... They do theaters. And when they're in town, just to stay sharp, they work the comedy store. Yeah, so it's like... Uh, how you crack that lineup you can't uh, yeah i mean even if you're on tv it's like okay great well so are they yeah uh you know their
1: following's three times as big
0: yeah uh so uh that's but in one sense it's tough but in another for guys like you and me who are like i don't want to say unknowns but whatever level we're at fame wise it's also easier to make it because you can do a podcast yeah get it to be successful you can you know, uh, uh you videotape your kid getting hit by a fastball. Yeah, but I mean, why not? <laughs> no, whatever it takes. I mean, that clip of your kid getting hit by a baseball by doing the Kelly leak and the Bad News Bears and just grabbing the ball no. faster. Uh, you know, got more hits than anyone's stand-up. Uh, Any video I've ever put out. Yeah. So, it I got, mean.
1: That got more views than my Ferguson set, and it was on national
0: television. So, uh, you know, it's it's in that sense, it's like, you know, it's never been easier to make it. Like, yeah. you know, through YouTube, I I guess Vine's gone, but, you know, Periscope, Instagram Live, Facebook Live. Uh, you can connect with anybody now. Which is uh, good in it's one sense. It's a blessing and a
1: curse because there's
0: much more noise to fight through. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I always tell people, like, start a podcast. It's never been easier to literally, you need a recorder and two mics. Yeah. But unfortunately it's never been easier. (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's people out there with podcasts that, uh, I don't know, just (laughs) should not have podcasts, but But you can't, they, they can do it. So I mean, who am I to sit there and say someone shouldn't do anything? So like the great Jimmy Carr told me, he basically said, Earl, stop worrying about other people. Worry about your side of the road. It'd yeah. be funny It's good advice well you know it's so simple like no shit Jimmy yeah but when someone like Jimmy says it it's like well maybe simple is <laughs> maybe that's right yeah well he's got 8 million followers on Twitter I've got 9,000 I have 1,700 but even that's like a game in in and of itself of like uh, how do you grow online organically I don't know how. Like, I put, I like back to that, my kid getting hit
1: by a baseball. It got 2 million views. I got four Twitter followers out of it. (laughs) Like, what do you do? I don't know. I don't know what you do.
0: Well, even with Roast Battle, like, here I was. You were on TV. On Comedy Central. Multiple nights. I think. Right? Let me see. Five nights in six days. The number one comedy network in the world. You know, exposed to literally, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you were in Canada too, right? Yeah. I mean, but literally exposed to probably literally millions of people. Yeah. I think I got a thousand Twitter followers out of it. And I was happy for it. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, and the feedback was lovely. Some of the DMs I received, <laughs> just lovely. <laughs> I, bet. I really enjoyed interacting with the fans. <laughs> Roast Battle fans are really a breed apart, just outstanding. To get DMs telling you to fuck off. <laughs> so fun. Dwayne Perkins, you know Dwayne Perkins? Oh, he's great. He's got a great joke about like
1: how you're able to connect now with the people that you don't like that are celebrities. And like before, like if you didn't like, you know, uh Lionel Richie, you just had to eat that. But now you can just directly tweet at him I hate your music. But like And he might write back to you. Yeah. Like, you can engage that part. Before, like, in the 80s, if you hated Lionel Richie, you just, you couldn't do anything about
0: it. Well, I think my favorite interaction, I trolled once. Uh, You did? Yeah, I, you know, I'm a big MMA fan. We're going to get into some pro wrestling in a second because I know that's where we initially bonded, outside of comedy. But I love MMA um, because it's like pro wrestling but real. Um, and I watched uh, a documentary about underground MMA fighting in Florida and it followed this guy named Dada 5,000. Mm, It's a good name. And (laughs) this guy was like Kimbo Slice's bodyguard, but then they had a beef or whatever. So Dada and Kimbo went in it. Dada. Yeah. Which was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life literally both guys died in the ring. Like Kimbo had like a heart attack. Dada 5000 had like renal kidney failure. Uh, but Billy Corbin, who is an amazing documentary uh, maker, he probably did the greatest documentary of all time. Uh, Cocaine Cowboys. I haven't seen it. Um oh, I've heard about it, that. I've heard
1: about that. It's.
0: Uh,
1: I've heard about that.
0: It's not just your standard okay. There's a lot of cocaine in Miami in the eighties. He interviews like the helicopter pilots who would, you know, uh, fly in under the FBI's radar, and he interviews the the drivers who would pick up the like. It's really a firsthand account of of the shenanigans. It's an ama- It's the best documentary I think that's ever been made. He did the documentary. I think it's called Dog Pound. I might be getting the documentary name wrong. But uh, if you look up Dada 5000, it'll probably uh, direct you to the appropriate name. And there's a scene in this documentary where a pit bull takes a huge shit right outside the the outdoor uh, octagon, if you will. And by octagon, I mean it was literally three layers of barbed wire crudely made. And I tweeted out, kiddingly, the best part of the documentary was the pit bull taking a shit and Billy Corbin tweeted right back at me because I guess everyone's a critic, Oh, but it was so like, like, no, I
1: didn't mean to, it wasn't, I was just
0: trying you know, I'm a comic. I'm trying to, and uh, we've become friends now. So have him on the podcast. I'm trying to, Uh, I I met him uh, one night. He was watching roast battle and he came up to me afterwards. He's like, you're The guy who tweeted that remark, aren't you? I'm like, Who are you? He's like, I'm the guy who made the documentary. I'm like, Oh, hey, nice. It was weird to like have but to, but now meet... he knows you're just being
1: a smart ass trying to get a laugh, right? I love I a true, true troll that's just an angry person,
0: but I just think it, that would be a great feature if you troll someone online that you have to randomly meet them in public, yeah, because I my tone changed instantly. I'm like, Oh man, I'm really sorry, I was just like, uh. I was just trying to be funny. Like I actually really enjoyed the documentary and cocaine Cowboys is amazing. And, and then he did the 30 for 30 also on, uh, he did two thirty for thirties on, uh, Miami. I didn't see that. The one. U. Yeah. Which was uh, basically. More, was an extension of cocaine Cowboys. Yeah. It was really, uh, the football version. To cocaine Cowboys. Uh, so he's a Billy Corbin. If you're listening, which I think you might be. I am a fan. (laughs) Now, you and I also share love of not just great stand-up comedy and performing in the jungles for 20 years. I mean, Axel was right. Yeah, it is. He really could make a song about the comedy store. I mean, Welcome to the Jungles, basically. Welcome to the comedy store. We got fun and games. At least you're in there. I can't even crack a... Yeah, but you're in there. You're in, but you're... Like, you're at the point at the comedy store, I think, where I was... Where, like, you might not be like a, a technical paid regular, but everyone loves you. Yeah.
1: I know. I like, go walk in there. It's like going back to high school, you know? Like,
0: right. I know everybody. Like, but I'm just, that's how I was, yeah. like, for 10 years of, yeah. uh, you know, like, you know, and it's the number one club in the country. Yeah. It's insane. So it's like I'm glad they have the revival. It's yeah, because it was like death there 10 years. Oh, ago. my God. I mean, that's, I mean, I made me want to quit several times, but I was just too dumb to quit. Yeah. That's my problem. Um, but that well but yeah but i mean like we were talking about talent has kept you in the door yeah uh and it's gotten you in the door it's just it's i i've given up trying to figure out what i don't know uh you know just hollywood comedy scene like literally has left me speechless at nights <laughs> uh going uh, i was just on a show with this guy yeah. and they couldn't follow me yeah. and i'm pretty easy to follow. Yeah. Uh, how did they get on the tube? And I'm,
1: and he's, yeah. how
0: did I get leapfrogged? What
1: happened? What yeah, did I do I'm, wrong?
0: I'm submitting for the Burbank comedy festival. <laughs> I
1: know. I know.
0: But in I all was fairness, told
1: I, uh, I did that. on well, the West side showdown thing a month ago, because I'm at this point, I'm just, I'll do anything at this point. Right. And, uh, one of the, there was like a agent there from one of the big three lettered agencies. And, uh, they told me I was brilliant. I'm like, Oh, you sh- you want to meet, have some coffee or something? Talk. He's like, Oh no, <laughs> but you're brilliant. Oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. you don't want to work. No, but you're brilliant. You well, want I had not even, even meet with me and just talk. Now
0: I had a guy recent, same, it's really the same exact thing. Uh, I think he had seen me go up at the comedy store. He's like, Oh, I signed real badly. Dude, I, I'll be honest with you right now. I could sign you right now and you'd be the funniest guy on my roster. And I knew with the way he was saying it, it was like, like you I'm could. not going to. But. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I was like, Well, let's party, baby. And he's like, Well, dude, here's the thing. I could sign you and I'd get a maximum 10 year career out of you because you're 49. And I'm like, uh, Well, I get what you're saying. You'd rather have me be 19 and have a, a 30 year career, but like make money on me for 10 years. Yes. Yeah. How old are you? How long are you going to be in it? Like, yeah. It's like, you know. So it's just like Jesus Christ, man. It's, it's so freaking annoying. But you know, again, this is a good segue. Probably for once in my life, I have a segue that might work. It's the same thing in wrestling. Yeah. Like we we are both fine lovers of pro wrestling. Yeah. We're we're at the DDP stage right now. Like. I'm at that Samoa Joe stage. Like, I literally, it's so funny how I think, like, you identify with DDP in terms of, like. like Well, DDP
1: started so late, and he was able to make it in a business that you can't start that late and get to where he got.
0: Yeah, because he didn't classically have a great body. He he had a good body. When he
1: started, he was there like, 35 he started. I mean, no one starts that late.
0: But in a way, and I don't know how this would translate into comedy. Like it almost served him better because his body wasn't broken yeah. down. He was able to get that extra ten years out, unlike a guy like Sting, who this is my boy. Yeah, but his body was just done. I mean, at the, his body was probably breaking down at thirty-five, yeah. um, and then at fifty-six. I mean,
1: look what happened to Daniel Bryan—how young he was, and
0: yeah, I mean. But it, it goes to like, you see certain wrestlers get the push, others don't. And it's like, you know, you see a guy like Samoa Joe who's like a, a, an amazing, amazing yeah. wrestler and got a kind of a good look. And kind been of like around a, forever. At 20 years of independent shows, which are basically open mics. Yeah. And now uh, he's just kind of getting a push. Yeah. I mean, they gave it to AJ Styles, you know but they butchered that guy I mean, they did
1: but I mean, like he was hanging around forever ring of honor japan tna and then they finally he gets in in his late 30s and they push him
0: but they kind of push him and then fucked him over when they like put him in a wrestlemania match <laughs> with shane mcmahon <laughs> yeah and shane mcmahon is like out goes him. toe to toe with him i'm like I said come on you're ruining this guy's uh credibility and i know it's weird to say credibility in pro wrestling but yeah but like now after this match how can you sell him as this great technical wrestler when the owner's son
1: who's been out of the business (laughs) for 20 years 10
0: years comes back and goes toe-to-toe with i mean yeah i mean it's crazy but if you want to hear the what the west one of my shack doing a gold bond commercial. <laughs> if you want to hear the rest of this podcast, guys, Facebook live is about to end. I know you do. And we're going to go to iTunes. You know, you want to listen to me. you do because Eddie Pence is one of the great friends of mine. I have in this business cause he's an actual human, <laughs> but for the Facebook live people fast, Eddie, where can people find you online? Uh,
1: you go to eddiepence.com, which is not the best website, or at Eddie Pence on Twitter or uh, Instagram, at Eddie Pence.
0: And please follow Eddie Pence. We're going to talk a little bit of pro wrestling please. for the rest of the podcast. And uh, please, you Facebook livers, leave a goddamn review. I'm begging you. Don't go to comedytime.tv. Please don't. And look please at don't. Eddie Pence's street jokes. Don't look at street jokes on Comedy Time TV and uh don't please for the love of god don't go on hot girls and earl <laughs> it's literally the worst garbage ever please don't i if you're going to look at him leave uh youtube uh, reviews for inappropriate earl in the uh in the links guys we're gonna end facebook live now switching over to itunes and i think my computer just shut off oh, so got perfect timing that was a natural uh, shut off So, but like wrestling, I've always identified with uh, wrestlers via our struggles in stand-up. Yeah, it's very similar. Uh, You know, like you see a guy like Dolph Ziggler, who's just super talented, amazing performer, and he kind of gets jobbed out. Yeah. For a guy like Roman Reigns. But
1: now he's coming into stand-up, and he's doing that (laughs) to comics here.
0: It's pretty funny. Well, we almost had a roast battle, but oh really uh, you know his uh, schedule is so busy that i uh, uh was not able to fulfill my dream of looking as gay as he does on stage because <laughs> i had my finger on the trigger of buying a dolph ziggler pink t-shirt that would be if you get your old hair back too the old hair back well, i mean i had a kind of a razor ramon look going uh you'd wear a wet sometimes you know, whatever it took to get a laugh. <laughs> hockey jerseys, love the so. hockey jerseys. Let now it's leather pants.
1: Yeah, but you you you're you're evolving. You're adapt. You're changing. I, I don't know if I am. I don't know if it's evolving, but you're. I'm you're changing. You're changing.
0: Well, what like did you ever have? Uh, like my game plan with the hockey jerseys and stuff was uh, I want to look different, but it not did. so different where it would be like.
1: But that's know. how I knew you to begin with. You were the hockey jersey guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I the first couple of years in comedy, when I would go to the airport and for the few road gigs I would book, and I mean, believe me, I could count them on one hand, <laughs> mostly triple, run. and not use all five fingers. People would, some people would go, "Hey, you're the dude who wears the hockey jersey." It worked to a degree. <laughs> I, I mean, have... I I didn't know what happened when you stopped wearing. It. I was like, "Why is Earl not wearing the hockey jerseys anymore?" Well, Barry Katz, I did a pilot for him once, and I had a New York Ranger jersey on, and uh, Whitney Cummings was the host. And so she's calling me up to the stage, literally saying, this next guy is, is very funny, whatever. And I'm about to walk on stage, and Barry Katz grabs me by the right arm and says, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, what do you mean? I'm next. He's like, no, the jersey. You got to take it off right now. I'm like, well, what do you mean? This is my look. This is my thing. He's like, the logo, you fucking idiot. And then so I took the jersey off, and I had some horrific affliction shirt on. <laughs> oh, I mean, like no. something I don't even think Adam Hunter would wear. <laughs> And uh, in, in put on a picture at the haha ha seven times. Uh, and I bombed for 10 minutes. Cause, and I well, probably, it throws you off. Well, I probably was going to bomb anyway, but like, uh, it was like. Did you still have the hair? Y- yeah, but it was like I had the more of the singer from Boston, Jufro look. It was kind of a <laughs> streamline. And, uh, oh, you know, it was like telling Kiss to take the makeup off right before. Yeah. Where
1: are you going uh, with the makeup, dude?
0: Yeah. That's who I am. Go take take it off. Logos. It's my identity. Uh, So, uh, you know, that's my Barry Katz. Was that the beginning of the end of the hockey jersey? Yeah, that was why I stopped wearing hockey jerseys. Because then it hit me, like, obviously my goal to this day is probably to get on TV. And then I thought, well, yeah, the logos probably would be, I'm sure the New York Rangers don't want to be associated with a a diarrhea chunk I'm about to... (laughs) You know, you do the
1: or, Kevin Smith thing where you get your own personalized hockey
0: right, you made. Of. But it was like kind of like, yeah. You know, I mean, I had such stage fright in the early days yeah. that I would buy these game-worn jerseys of fighters, like a Bob Probert. Yeah, or a,
1: I loved your. Yeah, he had some great jerseys.
0: You know, a, uh I don't know some obscure minor league enforcer. Yeah, because I felt protected in these jerseys. Like whatever felt- gets you in that comfortable place on stage. I mean, looking back now, it's kind of stupid, but, you know, back then... It know, worked. I mean, that's how I got to know you. Uh, did you have ever have a, like, I'm going to wear my hair this way, or I'm going to wear a... Did you have a idea for how you wanted to present yourself?
1: I, I was always trying to search for that, and I never came up with... I just... I always, I tried one time to do, like, the suit thing, and I was so uncomfortable doing it, I was like, I can't... What,
0: were you trying to look like, Rick Rude?
1: I guess. I, yeah, Rick Rude and the... Uh, uh, I don't know what I was. I don't know what I was. I I, I didn't do like a full suit. I just did the, like the dress jacket and the nice pants and like a button up shirt. And I just like I'm not comfortable enough. Like I'm I'm a t-shirt and jeans comic.
0: Were you ever told by like a manager or whatever, hey, uh, you you gotta you can't dress like that.
1: No, they never gave me like that sort of like you have to look a certain way. Um, but I don't know. I I used to do this one. I used to my closer. It took me a while to get rid of because I thought I needed it. And I look back now and it was a terrible closer. It was like the closer I had for the first like year and a half of me doing comedy. I was I did this thing called the punchliner, where I thought where I combined the whole setup was like I combined my two favorite things, stand-up comedy and wrestling. And I would wear tearaway basketball pants and this long sleeve loose shirt I could just take off really fast. And I would take it off. And I actually had Brett the Hitman heart tights. Really? Pink with the the black uh and uh i would beat myself up on stage while telling jokes and i called myself the punchliner and it was so stupid and i was throwing myself all over the floor and people were laughing because this guy's a freaking idiot and then i thought that was my big clothes i did that for like two years and like i would have to wear the same outfit on stage these same ripaway pants and the same shirt every night to do it and then like finally, i'm like i i need to write better so i don't have to do these stupid things and then i found that forced me to actually become a better writer because i was like i can't keep doing this dumb punchliner thing
0: like do you look back like i find that probably every few years i look back at um, like jokes i would do i would never do now yeah uh do you every couple years self-evaluate and go i would never do that yeah
1: unless i'm yeah i i I try to throw some away and there's some stuff that I'm like, yeah, it just doesn't... And I I, I just recently did a joke on stage I hadn't done in a while. I'm like, I can't. This doesn't... This doesn't work in this day and age and who I am now as a person. This doesn't come off as
0: genuine anymore. It's just... I gotta get rid of this
1: joke or this
0: bit. What makes you get rid of a joke? Like, have you had a joke for years in your set that you go i just you get tired of doing it or what's the thought process
1: i think you just cut kind of, you feel like you've grown out of it like i still have some jokes but they're really good jokes and if i'm on the road and i'm doing like an hour somewhere i will still throw them in just because they're good jokes and they fill up the hour but i don't do them in shorter sets and they're basically jokes about my wife either being pregnant or having a or tiny or little kids or you know uh, stuff i had about when i was single and stuff like that and it just it doesn't the jokes are funny but they don't work about they're not who i am anymore so it feels it doesn't feel as you don't feel like you're genuine on stage anymore and it comes off a little disingenuous
0: like to the audience does your wife mind like when you talk about your single days like yeah i mean because you're a good looking dude i'm sure like <laughs> i'm sure you uh had your <laughs> my, my my fill yeah well i mean you know i mean is is it uh Do you like, you know, because you're getting a little older and you're more mature? uh, Do you, does your approach about talking about your single days change because you're married and have kids? Yeah, it doesn't
1: feel, it doesn't feel like you're talking about yourself anymore because you're not that person anymore. So it doesn't feel, you can make references to it, I guess, but it doesn't feel like you can't do those jokes as if you're in that. As you're that, as if you're that person anymore. So it just, it's, it's just, you can't do them. They're not. It's not. You try to be yourself on stage. You try to be that version, your that genuine self, your yourself on stage. So the audience knows who you are. And like when you're telling jokes from 15 years ago, it doesn't feel.
0: Because that's where I fit that way. way, comics are different than say musicians. Because like I saw Molly crew. and they, and they can song. do girls, girls, girls right now. But the, yeah, they have a song, I think it's uh Too Young to Fall in Love. And it's pretty much about fucking an underage girl and, you know. <laughs> you know, Winger has a song called uh, 17. Yeah. Kiss has a song called Christine 16. Ted Nugent has a song called Jail Bates. And, you know, back in the early 80s. Yeah, like, that, oh, was, that was cool. They're, they're <laughs> in their 30s. It's kind of cool. But now they're in their 60s. And it's just... And it's like, wow, this is kind of creepy, yeah. to be honest with you. And the world's evolved since that point. It's like
1: now it's... Even if there was a 30-year-old guy singing about that, now it's still like...
0: Uh, well, I mean, now in this Me Too era, yeah, it's uh, you can't do a lot of that. But at the same time, it's
1: like I don't know. As a comic, you age out of that stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. It, it's at least in music, I think it ages a little better. But.
1: Yeah, because music takes you back, and you can like you hear a song, and it it'll take you back. So you can hear these old guys singing this song from the '80s, and it'll put you back in that, make you feel that young again. But like comedy, it's kind of different.
0: Well, it's also going back to pro wrestling. It's it's like you look at some guys who their shtick was being a womanizer and, you know, and then they get a little older and it's like, you know, dude, it ain't work. Yeah. I mean, Flair, God bless him, but yeah, I mean, he's not styling and profiling anymore. It's so he sad been for a while. I mean, to see, I mean, what did you think of that documentary? The Flair one? Yeah. I would, did you believe the numbers? I mean, what'd he say? What'd he say? How many women did he
1: say? Did he say 10,000?
0: Well, he said he slept with like three or four a day for
1: a good clip. And there had to be some dry days, but there also had to be those days where there were like three or four in a day.
0: But a dry day for Ric Flair is probably just one girl. That's just crazy. So, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, he's the perfect example of what we're talking about of like, yeah, in the 80s, he's got the suits, he's talking about the whores. You know, and it's like, okay, this guy's in his 30s, yeah, early works, 40s. But now you're 65. And you're talking about the whores. It's just so nasty. <laughs> it's just so nasty. Disgusting. It just doesn't hold up. Ugh. But what what got you into, pro, like, pro wrestling to me was an escape. Yeah. Because I, was, I wasn't a loser as a kid, but, like, it was quiet. It was
1: yeah, like, I was never the class clown kid. I was always kind of quiet, and it was always... I remember the first my first live match, my dad took me to the Cap Center where the Caps played back oh, in the wow. day. Uh Landover, Maryland. And uh, we saw uh was it Hogan versus uh King Kong Bundy. It was a you know just a house show. Right. But at the time you didn't know it was a house show. I mean, as a kid you thought, Oh my god, Hogan's gonna lose the title, <laughs> which he's not in a house show. Not to That's King, a King, Kong King Kong Bundy <laughs> on some random Saturday night. Um, but you know, that was the first like live experience and I was like I was just hooked at. Like I didn't even I knew Hogan, but I hadn't watched a lot of wrestling up to that point because this was like 84, maybe 83. When was WrestleMania two? Like it was around that time period. So you
0: hadn't quite completely blown up. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't WrestleMania
1: three where it was was rising. It was rising. And uh, that's where I'd seen it. I was like hooked. And after that, I was just like, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. My dad's like, you can't be a pro wrestler. That's that's the dumbest career choice ever. And I'm like, well, probably would have worked out better than comedy.
0: I mean, yeah, that's tough. If you if I had if I had a kid and I said, I want to be a pro wrestler or a comic, I'd be like, Oh boy.
1: Yeah. I don't know what my I was screwed from the beginning because that's what I wanted, pro wrestler or comic. And then I got older, I was like, Oh, well, comic's probably gonna be the safer choice. And then my kid wants to code computers and do computer game, and I'm like, Oh, that's what normal people wanna do.
0: Well, I do find the worlds are very similar, minus the working out for most uh Yeah. Most <laughs> stand-ups.
1: Uh well the yeah, the stand up does the writing and the wrestler has to work out. That's what they have to do outside of the
0: performance. But it's insane travel, it's it's incredibly bizarre hours. You meet weird people. Yeah, I mean uh, the drug use, yeah, uh, alcohol, womanizing. You're hated for no reason. Yeah. Uh you're loved cl- for no reason. A, a lot of closeted homosexuals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In both businesses. <laughs> a lot of bitterness. Uh, you know, you always heard Flair was always trying to keep younger wrestlers down. and
1: But like, how would you, like, I could see where in that business and even like this business where when you get a certain age, they're trying to shove you out the door. So like, why would you not try to defend your turf? I mean, that's a natural instinct.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, they say when Hogan was in uh, WCW, like he never wanted the job to, like Sting who was actually might be one of the few guys who was younger than him. Yeah. Uh, cuz he he knew Sting was like the the guy uh and uh and Triple H didn't want a job to him. Yeah, I mean that I mean and WrestleMania. That's, that's what got me on Piper's podcast was my bitterness about. Oh, god. How, still uh, haunts me. What? Well, just like it's such a slap in the face. I mean, here's a guy 30 years in the fucking business. He carried a company for I don't know how many of those years, and, and it's all one company now. Yeah, but I think in Vince's mind it was fuck them. Yeah. Oh, you you never sold out to me. Well, well, now I'm gonna make it Triple H's bitch. I wish he hadn't taken that match. Oh. I mean, you know, it's it's. You know, seeing Sting lose to Triple H at WrestleMania. It was like seeing Michael Kane and like Jaws Four. It's just like who got who booked well, you then? Like, who books it?
1: But you can forget about Jaws Four. I mean, that kinda goes away, but like WrestleMania's like that's always like his one match.
0: And it's just the bald spots and like you know And he, people chanting you still you still got it, but like he didn't. Well, so. I mean there was that one you know, I'll give Triple H this, like you know, they're both older. They're both slow as shit. Yeah. So they kind of looked fast in there against each other. Yeah. So I, I you
1: so know, made him look as good as I think you could make him look, but he still didn't put him over.
0: Yeah, but there was that one segment where Singh had a few high kicks. He's like, "Oh fuck, yeah. he's, he's got it still." <laughs> and then uh, you know the NWO run in made no sense. No, none. I mean, I know it's fake or fictional or uh, scripted. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. But I need a little bit of realism. Just
1: keep some of the the stuff that we've been I mean, it's we're not watching an isolated incident. There's history here and there's past. So you have to keep that in mind when you're bringing in the NWO to
0: save Sting, which made absolutely zero, zero sense. sense because he was never aligned with the NWO black and white.
1: Triple H had more to do more affiliation with the NWO. Than Sting did, yeah. I mean, he was part of the Click, and then which was the original incarnation of the NWO, which
0: made no sense. Why he it made zero, zero sense. And then uh, who was it? Uh, Shawn Michaels and a Kevin Nash fighting. It's like, dude, he literally just inducted you into the Hall of Fame <laughs> last night. Yeah, like. What no?
1: It's I mean, not I know working. it's WrestleMania, and they've got to the point now where it's just a show, and it's like, hey, we're just this is just a show. Everything's like tongue and chink and wink, wink, tongue and cheek and wink, wink, wink to the audience. But like, don't do that. Don't just throw everything out just for, to get a some weird pop out of the crowd.
0: Well, and then twenty minutes later, after the, the the horrific match, like it would have been cool if Shawn Michaels just did the super kick to Sting. Like, because they, to my knowledge, have never been in the ring together.
1: No, I don't think they have.
0: So I kind of, okay, that's cool. Yeah. But then the run Like, <laughs> and it was hardly a run-in. It was like a limp and a hop. It was like, you know, a couple kids in a St. Jude's commercial. Uh, you know, by the way, I just donated to St. Jude's. Well, you can make that joke then. Well, it's been so cold. Like, I wanted that blanket they show the oh, kid wearing cool. I mean, that, they. I hate that commercial. They god. show the kid with like no neck, and he's like asking for money, and then you're like, I gotta give to yeah, this kid. Give, I and didn't they really like that blanket. Show that the drummer from Def Leppard's kid, you know, with no arm or something. It's like, oh man, I gotta like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel better if I saw that commercial with the dogs and the Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, the Sarah McLachlan song. You know, they show that like the Maltese with no eyes. <laughs> like, you're like, oh my god, I or got shivering devil. in the cage. They should do that with '80s wrestlers and actors. I should do it with, it. yeah, 80s wrestlers definitely. You know, you just see, like, you know, adopt. Well, they're all dead now, but, like, you know, see, like, Benoit jumping off the crib, oh my God. putting the kid in the. Well, at least his, fin- his finisher worked. You got to give him that. Where was the kid's tag you team? He never partner? did that finisher in the ring, though. Uh, well, not to completion. Not to completion. I mean, my favorite part about it just the- shows you it's real. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Crippler Crossface mm-hmm. can work under a, a certain circumstances. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. I know, it's horrible. <laughs> it's probably time to end the podcast when we're doing the uh, <laughs> oh. triple homicide zingers. Uh, oh, my God. But I did love, like, you know, the day after, you know, that whole thing, like, the WWE puts out this... Raw tribute tape. What a great Oh, guy I remember that. Benoit, Benoit was. was. And then Tuesday. Oh, that never happened. So we better change SmackDown's taping. We better... Uh, oh, my
1: God. I remember. I remember watching it. I was like... I I was flying back east for some shows, and I heard that Benoit died, and I was able to watch Monday Night Raw that night, and like, oh, they gave him a big tribute to it. And then
0: all of a sudden, like, Tuesday rolls around, and they're like, uh, we're sorry. Oh, those tributes when a wrestler dies are the fucking phoniest. Like, you know, I remember when... Uh, Warrior died, and he's probably my second favorite next to Sting. Uh, and they're like, Ted DiBiase, he's saying what a great guy he is. It's like, you guys just put out a three DVD set about how they all say what a shithead he was. Just like, oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm firmly convinced that Warrior tried to die on Raw just to that f- night. Yeah, I really, if you go back and watch his final speech, of course, he died 12 hours later. Yeah. You could tell he was trying to give himself an aneurysm in the ring. You know, he's sweating. He's like gaunt for him. Amazing, would that have been? (laughs) Oh, it would have been the ultimate fuck you to Vince McMahon to die on live TV. Just that, just the ratings would plummet the next day. Uh, But his timing was never the best. (sighs) And he did die in a, I think, a parking lot. uh, Yeah. You know, so, yeah, airport or something, right? I think he was on his way to the airport and he died in like the, in the hotel, room. the hotel parking lot, like right? a Whole Foods or something, you know. Sad. I think when he, he let go of his bitterness, it killed him. The bitterness kept him alive. Yeah. I mean, it's why well, I, I see it. In, That's why we're aging so well. Well, yeah. My, my,
1: uh, you know, I, you know, I'm a, and we're in our 40s, but we could play 30s.
0: Well, you could. I mean, you know, I've, I've held up well, yeah. you know. I mean, you know... It's the, a, it's the bitterness. keeps you young. You know, I don't really think I'm bitter. <laughs> I think I'm honest. Yeah. Which is what I don't like about stand-up. Uh, if someone... You know, we've talked for an hour and a half or so about the the wackiness of the business, how they push older guys out, but I, I don't think that's bitter. Like, it's the truth. It's true. It's what, And they'll even, like, they say it. They tell you you're too old. Yeah, I mean, uh, but, you know which is why I love and this sounds like I'm doing a zinger plug for one of my many projects but that's what I love about I'm Dying Up Here by the way season 2 May 6th Showtime what's your character's PM. name? Al Sims Al Sims I'm just playing a a bitter late night comic there you go so I'm really not acting so they don't have to tap into uh to go too deep I'm a method actor on, but they use and I think why the show works is It's not just young people in the cast. It's uh, a guy like Rick Overton. Yeah. Plays the Tonight Show book. Brilliant. I mean, a legend. And I don't say that very often. No, he's like like
1: one of the true brilliant people ever in this business. I mean. And
0: nicest. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a dude who I tell everyone. You want to know how to conduct yourself in this business? Rick Overton. If you don't know who he is, watch Beverly Hills Cop. Watch? Was he in Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah. Who's he in Beverly he's Hills? He's in one
1: of the, the warehouses when they're with the cocaine and the coffee. Really? He's uh I don't know if he's one of the guy he's one of the guys working in the warehouses. He's in Beverly Hills
0: Cop. And well, I mean he's in Raising Arizona. Oh, he's in Raising Arizona, yeah. He's in tons of stuff. I mean, his IMDB page. He's in Miss Doubtfire? I mean I, it, like how many credits do you have on IMDb? Fifteen,
1: maybe fifteen, twenty.
0: Yeah, I'm saying same. Fifteen, twenty, and we've been at it for you know twenty plus years. <laughs> One a year, I'm lucky. Yeah, well, Rick Overton probably has 200, 300 credits. I, it's insane. Uh, so he's a brilliant man. Oh, and the nicest uh, guy, and that's but that's why I love like that show. Is like you know Melissa Leo's, uh, you know. The Oscar winner, but yeah. like she's, um, you know, not a, a teeny bopper, you know, she's, you know, in her early fifties, you know, Rick's gotta be late fifties, uh, Dom Herrera's in the show. He's yeah. amazing. Joey Diaz is, you know, in his late forties, like, and you have like some people like Jake Lacey and, and Andrew Santino and Al Madrigal and or Griffin who are younger,
1: but they're still in their thirties. They're yeah. not like so 22. It's a,
0: I wish the industry would look at this show and, and see how good it is and go, you know, it's got one common theme. There's not a lot of young people in it. It's got people who lived. Yeah, so you can be funny and have a successful show. And honestly, most of the people
1: watching TV nowadays are older. Yeah. The younger generation isn't watching TV.
0: Yeah, they want YouTube videos. They want, uh, you know, who's that YouTube freak? Uh, Logan, Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Uh, you know, who's in, like, a Twitter beef right now with Chris D'Elia. Oh, really? It's really fascinating because it's just, it's like a a roast battle. Like, he's saying, uh, you know, to Chris, you're, uh, you know, a 38-year-old unknown comic, and it's like, uh, I think he's pretty known, dude. Uh, I would, if Chris D'Elia is an unknown comic, I would like to be an unknown comic. Uh, Give me that. And if he's unknown... I don't know what the hell I am. <laughs> what? Or, uh, I don't even think I'm alive. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm have no pulse. Uh, uh and then Chris is like coming at him like yeah, put me in one of your tweets, they're finally funny. <laughs> you know, it's just like yeah. I don't know what started the beef, but it's it's really it's almost as interesting as Owen Benjamin's tweets. Oh wow, yeah. Who uh, we I, both know.
1: Yeah, he doesn't have the tweet Twitter, Twitter account anymore, does he? I think he got banned. Yeah, he got banned for life, right?
0: Yeah. So uh you know that's the guy who like i think you know you and i are bitter yeah but it could be worse yeah it could be way worse i mean Owen just went fifty-one fifty. 50 yeah I, well, I think he saw like that uh, that opening but i i'm fascinated I mean, by what his it. end game was
1: i don't know if he thought about end game but it's sort of going he sort of got attention
0: like, I thought, okay, there's this got to be, like, an Andy... You now, for those of you kind of lost in the clouds, Owen Benjamin, uh, uh, very established comic. Yeah. Uh, um, was on Sullivan and Sons and, and was in a lot of things with Nick Swartzen. Yeah. Uh, Adam he, Sandler movies. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, like, w- the definition of a a working yeah. comic. He had a career. Headliner uh, in his own right, and he just went... Uh, he moved out of town and... Moved out of town and started doing like, because she would say racial humor.
1: I know. I know. At one point, he said it was he was being like a lot. It was, a lot of it was just being ironic. But I, but that that type of humor gets the irony gets lost on the left because they think it's real racism, and on the right, they think it's like yeah, he's telling the truth. Like I, it's not irony at that point because it gets lost on both sides.
0: I mean, I'm in the middle, like politically. I I don't vote to be honest with you. Yeah. So I'm, I think I'm a good person to judge his.
1: Yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm moderate. I'm, I guess I lean left, but I'm pretty much down the middle. Down the middle.
0: I, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I. I don't like either side, to be honest. They're both. Me. It's both garbage. It's a broken system. You know, it's like Trump and Clinton. It's like. <laughs>
1: My yeah. I grew up in D.C. Like, I, my dad worked, my mom, my dad worked for the House of Representatives. My dad, my grandfather worked in the Senate. He campaigned for Kennedy in West Virginia. Man, watch
0: out, man. Watch out. He,
1: in West Virginia. My dad would sit there in the, in the house and he would watch the guys yell at each other on the floor, arguing bills and stuff. And then he'd go in the back of the break room and it was professional wrestling behind the curtain. They would slap hands like, hey, that was a good, good job out there. Like, right. uh, it was a show they were putting on on the floor. Oh, for sure. So it's just it shows you. It's just a broken system. They just play with people.
0: Yeah, I mean I just don't uh you know I have no interest in voting. Uh, but you know it is what it is. I mean, Trump is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah. And Kid Rock. And Kid Yeah, so I mean isn't he
1: uh, uh I think he was testing the waters for a Senate run. I don't know if he did it or I don't
0: think he's doing it though. Well, Kane just won not Herman Cain. Mayor Kane. or? Uh, Kane. Kane. Brothers uh, of Destruction Kane. Yeah. Kane, uh, the Undertaker's brother, <clears throat> he just won the primary in, I think, not Knoxville, Tennessee. congressman. Congressman? Yeah. yeah. Mayor. No, for mayor. Mayor, right? It was mayor. Uh, in it was Knox, mayor. Something in Tennessee. Uh, so that tells you more about the voters than I think it does Kane. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the politicians. Go down as the IQ of the voters go down. I mean, it's like you're voting. You're you're voting for who you deserve at this point.
0: I mean, I saw a Trump rally the other day where there was a, a guy who had a blacks for Trump A black guy holding up a black. He's at every one of them. What is I did you not see that he didn't rent to blacks yeah, in the? It's in writing. Yeah, it's like it's, it's there. Like it's there. Uh, but you know it's like I was at the gym once and this black it was just three people in 24 hour fitness it was me dog the bounty hunter and this black dude I should have started podcasting right there oh I would that really that would have blown that would have got me on rogan levels <laughs> a black guy and dog the bounty hunter <laughs> but this black guy was so starstruck he was running around 24 hour fitness and he finally sees I'm the only other guy there he's like will you take my picture with dog and I'm like uh, you just didn't hear those videotapes did you <laughs> I say what video i'm like never mind never mind get the picture let me here. take the picture Post you got the it. long form or the you know flash on <laughs> uh, so you know it's a wacky world we live in fast daddy oh my god i'm glad we're in it together earl uh, dude i mean i would have quit a long time ago if it weren't for people like you um rick overton uh santino is a guy who's yeah. like he's the lead of the show but he treats everyone the same. Yeah, there's
1: good people in the business.
0: Uh, Brendan Lynch, another dude, just, just great writer and comic and you know, uh, nice people do make it in this business. I guess is the point. Let's hope so. Uh and but a lot of nice people don't. Yeah. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Yes. You're listening to two of them right now. By the way, next week on uh, inappropriate old the janitor who <laughs> works the building. Well, he makes more than I do. Probably does. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, welcome to Hollywood. I yeah. mean, I, I booked my first two national commercials. I thought, wow, this business is easy. No, I got it made. Literally booked a Pepsi and a United Airlines commercial with Mike Singletary. And I thought, I am <laughs> I I didn't, like, I was like, oh, okay, this business oh. will be hard. You, maybe you audition for 10 things, get two or three of them. I can make a living doing this. Yeah. And I literally went 15 years before I got a call back. So it's uh if anyone out there's listening for me and Eddie and you can tell us how to make it in this business before 50. Uh, I've got a year left. I got 6. Actually, I've got 6 months left. September 17th will be my 50th birthday. No there's be no special party unless well, you don't look 50. Bro. I mean, I can play 42. There you go. You can play my age. The movie, I could play the movie 42. I could be uh Branch <laughs> Rickey. Uh <laughs> But, you know, I'm happy with how I look. I think it, you have to be happy with yourself first.
1: You it's know. the only way to make it in this business. A little bit. I mean, to stay in it without killing yourself.
0: I mean, now I have an attitude of you're either with me or you're against me. You don't think I'm funny? That's fine. F off.
1: There's enough options out there where you can just go somewhere
0: else. Just but you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, almost, almost too many options. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's Netflix, there's Comedy Central, there's uh, YouTube, there's uh, one trillion podcasts. Yeah, I mean, uh, so uh, you know, find what you like and support and do it. it. Be good at it, and uh, hopefully, one it takes one person to to uh, help you, who has uh, the juice to do so, and uh, you know, uh, like Samoa Joe, I'm going to start performing in a towel around my neck. He made it after 20 years in the jungle. I'm Samoa Earl. You're with me. Or you're Her against me. me, Eddie. I love you. Thanks, Earl. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thanks for coming down. I'm sorry it took this long. I just figure people like you who are actually working comics are just too busy. Yeah, <laughs> that's never a problem. But I mean, like I that's had Chris nice. Frangola on last week. Another yep. long time known Chris for like ever. Yeah. And I was almost embarrassed to ask like guys like you and him like uh, it's because I mean even though we love each other it's, like, it's probably an insult to ask them. No, never. I would love uh, this. I mean, you've been on you know late night TV multiple times that was, as a comic that was a lifetime ago. And but but you know what? It's yeah. three times more than I've been mm-hmm. on. Well, you're uh, currently on a show, so. Well, three if you want to be technical, three. You're but, on three. but you know, people. I tell people, I, you know, they all three could be canceled tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, uh, there's so much out of your control in this business. I know. You know, that. I think you control is your podcast. It really is. And that's why I love it so much. It's like, I, you know, there's not one person who I haven't wanted on this couch. Uh, you know, like I get asked, you know, are you going to do roast battle again? It's like, it's out of my hands. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm, you know, I mean. I, I can't tell you that I'm not the one who picks the people and same thing with the cartoon. I would love to do the cartoon again. Yeah. Uh, but Tyler, the creator is so famous and busy. I, I, I can't will him yeah. <laughs> to do it. What's the cartoon uh, on? It's, uh, we did season one was on adult swim Yeah. and it was a, an honor to do it. Uh, and the ratings were good, but I, you know, it's like Jimmy Carr. It's like, I can't worry about it. Yeah. You, you know, I, I
1: can't, i you know i would love you and know, there's, their third lineup changes so much all the time with adult swim
0: i mean i'm it's lucky with him in his case that he's so popular on the network yeah i think it's more or less if dude if you want to do season two we're doing it yeah um but he like he just opened up for beyonce yeah or you know was the act i guess no one opens for anyone at coachella but like he was the act right before her yeah so that's what level he's at yeah it's insane and uh you know same thing with i'm dying up here you know, some people they brought back, some they didn't. I had no control over that. So Yeah, you're doing something right. I would probably not, but you know, <laughs> just being liked. Well, at least you're slipping through. I, I'm definitely, that's, slipping that's even through. just as, that's just as good. You know, I feel like, do you identify, would you say your comedy, do you identify with anyone in the world that like we do the wrestling references? Yeah. Do you, is there someone out there that you go, I'm that person in comedy? <sighs>
1: I feel a lot like uh, like you were, I mean, you're talking about Samoa Joe, like, but he's got more of a push than I got going, so I'm
0: like Samoa Joe five years ago. I mean, I, you know, in the non-wrestling vein, I feel like a few people, like, I, I feel like I'm a mixture of Bill Paxton and the Aliens, uh, just always thinking you're about to die. <sighs> They're everywhere, man. The, the the agents and managers are the aliens. Yeah. And I know every corner I walk around, they could be there to zap me. And uh, the Indian from Predator. no, oh. Knowing that someone's out there trying to fuck you. Yeah. But you can't see him. You're going to get fucking. Did he get skinned or he get blown up? He, that's me. That's going to be me in stand-up comedy. He could have escaped with Schwarzenegger and the other two, but he just stopped halfway through on the log. Yeah turned around threw his weapon down and just knifed himself so the end so the predator could see the blood yeah and just said fuck it and went out and that's me i'm gonna do that one night at the comedy store to go out i'm gonna take a butcher knife my friend gave me for the la riots do it in the belly room and now i'm gonna do it on the main stage (laughs) and i'm just gonna stand there cutting myself (laughs) until uh an agent from icm just kills me tells you you're too brilliant to meet with yeah oh dude you'd be the funniest guy on a roster great i got a 10 year career out of you great sorry eddie from my man. itunes and soundcloud fans where can people find you you can find me at eddie
1: pence on twitter and instagram i got a comedy cd on itunes tastes like pennies it's been there for a while check it out
0: when uh, when was that out? Two thousand nine, two thousand eight. And do you still? Does people still buy it? Hopefully, and
1: uh, I still get like twenty bucks a month residual checks on it.
0: Twenty bucks a month.
1: <laughs> so you know, it gets its serious play, a
0: serious XM play. And any gigs coming up? Here? This will be out in two hours.
1: Uh, I'll be at Bear Burger in Santa Monica on Friday night, opening a burlesque show. The Great Justin Wood. Oh, this isn't just this. The burlesque show. This is oh. Friday night. Not th- it's not Justin's show, on, which he runs a great show on Thursday nights. So check that out. But, but that
0: just goes to show you, Eddie's been on TV multiple times as a stand-up. I'm on a few shows, and. Eddie's he's playing at a place called Bear Burger. It's a it's a it's a it's a healthy. Uh, it's organic, actually a good organic like burger bar. Grass fed burgers, yeah. and uh, you know, it's like a it's, uh, Like Rogan R- 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 would love this place. Um, it's but, but, great. Burgers are great. The
1: shows are great. It's yeah. I'm doing a. It's a burlesque show. I'm opening up.
0: But Joe likes to hunt his own food. Like me and you are a little. I'm past that. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I don't have. I'm going to pay someone to hunt for my food. <laughs> And then cook it. (laughs) Uh, So Eddie Pence is one of the legit good guys in comedy. So please buy his album on iTunes. What is it? Nine bucks? Nine Nine, ninety nine? Something like that. Really support it. Like that's the whole reason I have my friends on. I know I'm not going to make Eddie millions, but I want you guys to do two things right now. And someone gave me this idea. Yeah. So first of all, I want you to buy Eddie Pence's. album on iTunes see his shows if you're in the Santa Monica area go to bear burger Friday night Friday night you get to see tits fine comedy fine comedy and a grass-fed burger and a grass-fed burger probably for under 20 bucks and after you go to bear burger and buy Eddie's album after the show I want you to go on iTunes it's very simple. You, you click on the podcast section. You then click the subcategory of comedy. And you will go and see Inappropriate Earl. And all you have to do is click on my picture. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> you click on it. You go to ratings and reviews. And I'm going to read you a review. I'm going to read you the most recent review of Inappropriate Earl. And this is all you have to do. Right under customer reviews, there's a little button you could hit that says write a review. Now, I don't know who leaves these reviews, but one was left on May 1st, 2018. Five-star review. three Four days ago. Three days ago. Yeah. Funny and well worth the download. Earl is inappropriate at times, though. The next review... You know, I don't know what this guy was smoking. I'm assuming it's a guy. Another five-star review. Thank you very much. A fine bourbon with the edgy (laughs) touch of a Bob Probert, a splash of a Jewish Bobo Brazil, and the sweet thunder of Motorhead. Oh. Now the next review. Just (laughs) three letters. What a podcast. <laughs> Doesn't say it's good or bad. <laughs> Just says, What a podcast. What is it? Yakov Shmirnov. And in full <laughs> honesty, I'm going to click on the most critical. This is by Concert Vet, March 31st, 2017. Over here. Started off good with interviews with Stephen Piercy of Rat, but lately the guests are mainly comedians, ones you've probably never heard of. There we go. Unsubscribed. <laughs>
1: That's what we were talking about.
0: One more bad review. By uh, Lajon X at Yahoo. No, I'm sorry. This is by Toddzilla. This guy plays it safer than any podcaster out there. (laughs) Very much afraid to have a conversation that can be even slightly uncomfortable. Contrary to his stage persona, Skakel more than anything wants to ingratiate himself to his guests. He'll push back when they're gone. Part of listening to a good interview is the joy of an honest give and take, leading to a little more uh, understanding of the person. Skekel wants to show his agreement and be liked. So really, why bother? Wow. You know, I understand what they're saying, but I also don't think an interview has to be confrontational.
1: No. So between two people like each other and...
0: And have, in general, I have people on who I like. I really don't want to... I could have an interview on with some...
1: Uh, what What are you going to pull out of me that's going to be so controversial yeah, and
0: interesting? Like, literally, Eddie Pence is, along with uh, like Rick Overton, who, who's who been on the podcast, the two nicest guys I've ever met in life. Not comedy. What am I used to do? Shit on them? <laughs> to get a zinger fest going? <laughs> but I appreciate the uh, feedback. He took the time. So the point is leave a review you know i'm a one-man operation as you can see by my facebook live video which was sideways i just looked on facebook it's completely it's, sideways Well, sitting on pillows it's the um no but i mean like there was something oh, it, didn't, it didn't flip it didn't flip, flip. <laughs> so good luck watching that uh <laughs> hopefully you do but uh, i'm a one-man operation here I have no publicist. I did not hack into iTunes as someone recently accused me of. How about twenty years of fucking hard work yeah. in the jungles? And now I'm number fifteen on iTunes. Good for you. Number four last Saturday. Been a rough week for me. I dropped eleven spots. <laughs> uh, it's a grind, man. It, well it is. But I you it's know constant, constant grind. But I did not hack into anything, you haters out there. Jerks. And to the people who don't like the podcast, start your own. See how hard it is. <laughs> To get people to come to your couch that I've had sex on. Oh, which... Not where I was sitting. The whole part, baby cakes. God damn it. If That that couch should have a podcast. It cleans up nice. It probably... It does. I've had this couch since uh, 2001. Bought it at uh, Levitt's in uh, Tarzana. Levitt's. Nice. All right, guys. Inappropriate Earl. SoundCloud and iTunes. Become a fan of Eddie Pence. Buy his album on iTunes. And I really mean that. Help me out. If you don't want to leave a review... I wish you would, but please buy Eddie's album. Just put a couple bucks in his pocket.
1: <laughs> just buy one track, 99 cents. But
0: Buy the whole thing. <laughs> but it's about support. It is. If you're comedy fans, Rogan has Burt Kreischer, Tom Segura, Tony Hinchcliffe on to expose them to his fan base. And they're now stars. I'm just trying to get Eddie a couple bucks in the bank. It ain't going to make him famous, but maybe you become fans of his and you follow him and it's all a circle. So, uh, thank you guys for the love and support. I love you all. Coming soon, we have a very special guest from the roast world. I'll give you a hint. He's not the shock master, but he is the...